Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are tuning in today. Thank you so much for joining me, whether you're watching live or on video playback. I really appreciate your energy and your curiosity in this topic, the topic of mudita or boundless joy. Mudita is a Pali word, a Sanskrit word. Uh, that that translates into joy more or less there are several different translations uh, in the buddhist tradition and as as that tradition moves uh, west uh, translators are wrestling with this word mudita i've kind of settled on the translation of boundless joy for me that makes the most sense uh, because there are you know, some teachers say uh, appreciative joy, some teachers say um, uh, sympathetic joy, some teachers just say uh, altruistic joy, or, or just joy. So I thought boundless covers all of that, so I'm going to go with boundless joy. Now before I get into today's presentation, just a, a quick announcement. Uh, I am offering uh, an online meditation retreat program on the topic of mudita, boundless joy. And in all honesty, that's why I'm doing the Facebook Live sessions as a way of leading up to that program, uh, hoping to bring more and more people into uh, the online retreat. So if you find this offering intriguing, I've done two others on Fridays past, uh, last week and the week before. Uh, those are all available on YouTube. You don't have to have watched those to get benefit from today's offering. Uh, but if you're curious, you might want to visit those. Uh, they're also on uh, Instagram, my Instagram page and Facebook. <clears throat> so, Mudita Online Meditation Retreat Offering. We'll take an eight-week dive into uh, these practices of joy. What a great time to do this, too. It's so healing, these practices. Uh, and sometimes I get a little bit of blowback. You know, why are we doing a retreat on joy when there's so much suffering in the world? But actually, these practices of joy are designed to give us uh, a ground so that we can more effectively confront and embrace the sufferings that we might be experiencing or our friends or our family might be experiencing. And suffering might even be a harsh word. Uh, there could just be a sense of uncertainty. There's so much uncertainty in the world right now. How can we practice joy? But I would argue that it is the practice of joy that allows us to move more effectively into that uncertainty. So this program launches at 6 p.m. Pacific Coast time on Sunday, June 27th. That's 8 a.m. on Monday, June 28th here in Thailand or elsewhere in Asia, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, we'll wrap up the Mudita retreat on August 19th or 20th, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, that's section one. There's actually a second section which I've opened to cater uh, for people in other time zones, primarily in Europe. Also those who like to sleep in late in Asia, uh, in Australia, New Zealand, 
Uh, that starts on Mondays and Thursdays, starting again on September 27th, I'm sorry, June 27th, uh, at 9 a.m. UK time, which is 3 p.m. here in Thailand. So two, two sections, two offerings. So if you find one of the times limiting, please do message me and see if we can get you into the other time uh, section. Now you can do the retreat at your own pace. So if you just wanna sign up for the retreat and, and uh, take advantage of it at, at whenever you're ready to, uh, these sessions are going to be videoed, uh, recorded on Zoom, and they're only made available for the participants, uh, whether it's live or on video only. Uh, you'll have the videos uh, for a lifetime. It's lifetime access to these videos. Uh, again, I want to reiterate that, that the videos are, are for the participants only to uh, maintain that container uh, so that people feel like they can share on the video openly and freely. Uh, also, if you're, if you're signing up for the retreat, whether you're doing it all on video or some on video or all live, uh, part of the retreat package is you get a one-to-one -one session, optional of course, uh, with me. Uh, so that we can meet one-on-one -on -one and I can check in with your practice, how everything's unfolding, and, and uh, try to custom uh, the course to your needs. So please do sign up. You can message me uh, through my website, www.suchsweetthunder.org, and go to the Retreats and Programs page. Uh, there'll be the entire outline of the retreat program there and uh, all the information you need to get registered. Or if you wish, just message me. I'm happy to get those messages and we'll get you registered right away. Okay, so that's all the announcements I think today. Sorry, that was a bit long-winded. <laughs> but let's get into this talk on Mudita. So by doing that, uh, or in, as a way of doing that, I'd like to offer just a little bit of a guided meditation here. And this meditation will be a meditation on gratitude. Gratitude is a pillar of the practices of joy. And so this plays right into uh, the talk. Now, of course, this practice is optional. If you wish to get up, stretch, go get a glass of water, do whatever best supports you in this moment. And then if you wish, you can come back later to the video and uh, explore this brief guided meditation. So come back when you're ready, I'll be here guiding. If you are gonna do this meditation with me, thank you and I hope you enjoy. And so the invitation is now just to arrive here in this present moment. And you might arrive by just feeling how your body feels right now. Just noticing what's there in the body. One really great way to do that is noticing the contact points body against the chair or the cushion, the mat or the floor. Or you might wish to 
pay attention to the feet against the carpet or mat or floor. Perhaps you're wearing socks or shoes, whatever's arising at the feet. Noticing how the body feels right now in this seated posture. And so the invitation is now to take a nice, long, nourishing, deep breath. And allowing that out breath to be just slightly longer than the in breath. That elongated out-breath tends to bring a sense of calm, of stillness, of relaxation to the heart, to the nervous system, to the body, to the mind. And then just inviting the breath to return to its relaxed breathing pattern, uncontrolled, just breathing normally as you would in a day-to-day -day conversation. And while we're here feeling the breath, you might wish to notice how the abdomen is rising and falling as you inhale and exhale. There might be clothing moving across the abdomen to adjust with the breathing process. And just noticing that. Inviting the muscles around the abdomen to grow soft, relax. It's quite common for the human body to contain tension or stress around the abdomen. And so we can let that go now and just rest, just rest. You might also notice the rib cage expanding and contracting with each breath. The rising and falling of the shoulders as you inhale and exhale. And you might also notice the back moving out as you breathe in and in as you breathe out. You might also notice the temperature changing from cooler to warmer at the nose and the back of the throat with each breath. Just noticing how the breath moves in and out of the body. And perhaps also noticing how the body straightens up slightly on the in-breath and leans forward slightly on the out-breath. Resting, breathing. And while resting here with the breath, the invitation is now to notice again the sensations arising from the feet. 
And so here, just inviting the muscles in the feet to relax, rest, and grow soft. You might also notice sensations of clothing against the legs, inviting the muscles in the legs to relax, rest, You might also notice the weight of the body against the cushion or chair, mat or floor. Inviting the muscles underneath those sensations to grow soft and relax. You might also notice sensations of clothing against the back. Inviting the muscles in the back to unwind and rest. Perhaps noticing the hands resting against the body or touching each other. The arms resting against the body. Inviting the hands and arms to unwind and grow soft. You might also notice sensations of clothing against the shoulders, inviting the muscles in the shoulders to rest. There might be sensations arising from the back of the neck and the sides of the neck, inviting the muscles in the neck to relax and unwind. You might also notice sensations arising throughout the cheeks of the face. And so letting any tension or stress that's held in the face go. And you might also notice sensations arising from the top of the head, the very crown of the head. Resting, breathing, feeling. And while resting here in this present moment experience of breath and body, the invitation is now to notice any sounds which might be available. And just listening to the present moment what's arising there in the auditory field. Often in meditation, we can find ourselves wrestling with the sound. So here the invitation is to turn and welcome any sound. Just noticing what's there, listening to the universe orchestrate the soundtrack of the present moment.
Resting, breathing, feeling, listening. And so here the invitation is to bring into mind's eye either just through memory or recollection or if you wish, visualizing an experience for which you feel gratitude towards. This could be something very simple, like perhaps you were in a garden recently, and so remembering the beauty of the flowers. Or perhaps you visited a beach, so remembering the gratitude you felt for the sound of the waves, perhaps, or the beautiful smell of the ocean. Or perhaps you had the opportunity to meet with a friend, either online or in person. And so, recalling the gratitude for the laughter that you heard in that exchange, or the gratitude for feeling connected. Or perhaps just feeling gratitude towards having a healthy mind for which you can meditate with. No matter how distracted the mind feels, you can feel gratitude just for being here, engaging in this meditation. Whatever it is for you, breakfast, a morning cup of coffee, the purring of a kitten, the sound of rain, the bird song. And just allowing that gratitude to be present, feeling into that experience. You might ask yourself, where does this gratitude arise in the body? What does this gratitude feel like? There might be an opening or a sense of openness around the heart, the shoulders, the abdomen, perhaps a warmth. You might feel like smiling and that's fine. Go ahead and smile. That's great. And so once you've located the experience of gratitude in the body, it might feel very faint, very mild, or it could be quite strong. The intensity is irrelevant. Once you locate it, the invitation is actually to go into the feeling of gratitude. Really submerging yourself in it as if you were submerging your body in a warm tub of water. Submerge yourself in the experience of gratitude. Allow yourself to have it. It might feel self-indulgent and that's fine. But allowing yourself to really feel the gratitude. 
allowing the gratitude to have you as much as you have it. And if it feels possible, turning up the volume on the experience of gratitude, as if you were turning up the volume on your favorite song on the radio. So just allowing that gratitude to get just a little more vivid, a little brighter, louder, more intense. longer we can stay with the experience of gratitude, the more the neurons in the brain fire and thus wire together, leaning us towards more positive experiences, more gratitude in our life. So just stay with that for another breath or two. I'll be quiet here. So in the next moment or two, I'll ring the bell and bring us back into a conversational space. So thank you so much for joining me in that guided meditation into gratitude. Uh, if you wish to explore that further and you're watching this on video, uh, press pause now and feel free to stay in that experience of mudita, of gratitude, uh, as long as you wish. And so now I'm going to uh, launch into uh, today's offering, today's talk on boundless joy. Mudita. And the title of the talk is Life as Play. And so what would it be like to live in that way? Where a good portion or much of our life could be seen of as the play of life. Alan Watts uh, the great philosopher and writer uh, once said, uh, or posed the question rather, pointing at the same idea, does the dancer dance to finish the dance? Does the musician play the song to finish the song? Or does the listener listen to the song to get to the next song? And how much of our life do we spend 
getting to the next thing, right? As if the next moment will be better than this one somehow. We spend our life leaning ahead to accomplish a task, to finishing a goal. But life is a constant state of becoming. There is no arriving. There is no finish line. And when there is, when we won't know it because we'll be, we'll be gone. So life is a constant state of unfolding, a constant state of play. And just like the, the traditional iconography of drama, right? You have the really happy face and the really sad face next to each other, the masks, right? That's life is play, right? It is a, a playful life that we live, a joyful life, a recreational life. Recreation comes from the word recreate, right? So we live in this life that is this constant unfolding. There's nothing static, nothing permanent, nothing fixed in this life. So what would it be like if we could live life as if we were listening to a symphony all the time, if our life was the symphony. And so in order to really do that, we have to kind of step into the play of uncertainty to recognize that life is a river of ever change. Because that helps us to release that clinging, that idea that this pursuit that I'm embarked on must have this particular outcome. Because then we're, we're trapped. Then we're, we're focused on that goal. That's fine to have goals. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But we're too focused on that goal and we can't enjoy the process can't enjoy what it takes to, to accomplish that goal. And so if your goals are, are, you know, if that path from here to there is replete with tension, with stress, with anxiety, oh, I gotta get there, I gotta accomplish this, I gotta, that goal, it's not gonna bear the fruit that you're hoping for. On the surface, it might look good. But if our path is replete with tension, with stress, with anxiety, that goal, that path is, the path and the goal are actually the same. Because it's going to take that tension, that stress, that anxiety, that push, that type of energy, that, that intensive energy, we're going to carry that with us when we get to that goal. Because the goal, again, is just another part of another path. And we just keep moving. 
anxiety, stress, tension, they're all habitual. So if we develop the habit of trying to achieve something through that state, that becomes habitual. And so we might get that, you know, that really, you know, high paying job. But if it took us all of that tension and stress and anxiety to get there, we're going to have that tension, stress, and anxiety when we're working that job. It doesn't matter how much the pay is, how many vacations we can afford. Because that becomes habit. Life is play. So can we really, you know, drop into that? And so there are a few techniques that I'd like to offer in regards to cultivating this mind, this seeing of life as play. And one of the techniques is similar to the meditation that I, I started today's offering with, this offering into gratitude. Gratitude, as I mentioned at the beginning, is one of the pillars of joy, of boundless joy. And so I recommend to all of the people who come on my joy retreat and, and all of the retreats that I offer, actually, I always recommend keeping a gratitude list. It's so important. It's, it's just, and it's just so easy to do. <laughs> it's one of those things that it's quite easy to do, so often it's overlooked. And so how I offer the gratitude list is to write down maybe just two or three things that you feel grateful towards. But then you don't just write them down and, and then go get your coffee and move about your day. There's an actual practice to it. And so one writes, let's say, I saw a beautiful sunset yesterday. Grateful for the sunset. And then closing the notebook and feeling, like we did in the meditation, in this opening meditation, feeling that gratitude. What does it feel like to be grateful for something in the body, somatically, the physical experience of gratitude? And so as we do that, and as we can stay with that, as I mentioned in the meditation, the neurons start to fire and wire together, leaning us into more and more future experiences of gratitude. So this gratitude, this appreciation for life becomes more and more available. Now coming back to the gratitude list, you can write down two or three, it could be the same things, it doesn't matter. What matters is, is feeling into the experience of gratitude and staying with that feeling for at least six breaths. And if you do that every morning, or maybe you miss a morning here and there, that's fine, but make it a practice. And eventually you start to go through your life and you start to look for things to put on the gratitude list. That's when we know that our nervous system, or it's one of the signs anyway, that our nervous system is starting to incline towards this experience of appreciation for whatever's happening in our life. 
start to look around. Oh, right, I can be, I can have gratitude for, for my cat who's so pretty, purring. Or I can have gratitude for the feeling of the body. Just having a human body is something to be gratitude for, to be grateful for, to have appreciation for. <clears throat> and so if you're listening to this talk, you probably have a human body. And so there, regardless of the condition it's in, regardless of, of what's there, just having that appreciation for this life. That's life as play. And so I want to keep talking about this idea of playfulness. Because actually, now we know through modern science that this play that children do in the playground or when they're playing games with each other, it's an adaptive strategy. It helps the brain, and in particular, the neurons in the brain, grow and adapt. And in fact, animals do this too. That we, we, They've done studies on cats and kittens. You know, when they rough and tumble play, uh, they're actually doing that. Uh, but they're not fighting. It often looks like they're fighting. But this, these scientists saw that they're actually continually making eye contact with each other, making sure that their, their claws aren't, you know, out, pro protracted, so to cause harm to the other. And so they're, they're safe in their play. And so this is actually another way that animals co-adapt to their environment by playing with their, if it's a pet, by playing with their human uh, uh, counterpart or by playing with another kitten or cat or dogs, puppies. And so I bring this up because as I mentioned in the last session, I get a little blowback by teaching joy or offering this retreat on joy in, in such turbulent times in the world. But joy, and in particular playfulness, is a co-adaptive strategy. This is why I mentioned that the practices of joy, of mudita, can help us recalibrate our nervous system, help us find that homeostasis where we feel safe in an otherwise rather threatening time in the world. So not only are these practices really uh, easy to enjoy, <laughs> but they're also uh, very healthy for us and very, very beneficial for our hearts, for our bodies, for our mind, for the nervous system. So can we live in this way? That's the real question, right? Can we live with this type of lightness, rec uh, recognizing that we live in a recreational universe? Again, the word recreational comes from the word recreate, where the, there's never an end goal, that the universe is in a constant state of unfolding all of the time. Constant state of impermanence, constant state of change. Can we live in that? 
and really recognize that. And so I mentioned before this idea of, you know, when we have a, a fixed goal, we kind of lock it into place and we come trapped into that. I have to have this, I can't have that. I have to have this, I can't have that. That gives our ego something to wrestle with and struggle with. It makes the goal a very permanent fixed entity. And in response to that, we become a very fixed entity clinging to that. There's no joy in that. There's no recreation in that. And so the idea is to let that go. We can still have that goal. But the idea is to be in the present moment experience with that accomplishing of that goal. So there's a, a quite a famous story in the great book, uh, Zen and the Art of Archery. And so the story is that there's a Zen master who's also an, an archery master and teacher. There's probably a name for that that I don't know. <laughs> And I think this takes place around the 18th or 19th century, maybe the early 20th century. And he has uh, one of his principal disciples who's also becoming an archery master. And so he's going to all of these tournaments, the master and the student together, they travel together all throughout Japan, uh, you know, uh, going to these national tournaments and the student is winning uh, every tournament easily, hands down getting, you know, bullseye, 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 one after another. And then it, it becomes international, and so there, he's traveling through Asia, uh, winning all of these tournaments, and of course they're meditating together uh, while they're uh, traveling and, and in, in, when they're not on the archery field and things like that, they're still practicing uh, the Zen meditation practice. And so finally, now it's the world tournament. And uh, they're there, and lots of competitors from all over the world are competing. And now the, the Zen student can't hit the bullseye. He can't hit the target. You know, he's missing target after target after target, round after round. He's quickly you know, losing his footing in the, in the tournaments and about to be you know, taken out of the tournament as the loser. And so another Zen master happens to be there and he recognizes the teacher of the student. And he goes over to him and he says, you know, what's, what's wrong with your champion here? He's supposed to be this world champion archer and he can't hit the bullseye. And the Zen master says, his need to hit the target is greater than his present moment awareness. His need to hit the target is greater than his present moment awareness. His game became work. His goal became fixed. And he could no longer, because now then he became a fixed entity, an ego, that needed to hit that target. So now there's no play, it's all work. And so can we get back to that? And so oftentimes when I, when I give teachings on this, 
well, how do I have a goal then? Right? How do I achieve anything? That's a very fair question. I understand that. And again, it's great to have goals. It's, it's a part of the human experience to have goals. I have goals too. I, I you know, like to, to do writing and teaching and I have all these goals about uh, getting my programs online in video format and I have goals of teaching to a wider audience. Great to have goals. Part of the human experience is to have goals. So set the goal. And then, you know, you might want to write it down on a piece of paper, maybe on the opposite side of the gratitude list, if you wish. And then put it aside. You know it's there. You don't have to keep checking on it. And so if a part of that goal is, you know, opening up the computer and, let's say, I don't know, creating a website for yourself, maybe that's, that would help to bring that goal into fruition then make that into a present moment awareness practice. You open the computer, you feel the computer under your fingers, you start typing, you feel the keys, you hear the keys. Maybe the refrigerator's humming in the background or the air conditioning, you're very in the present moment hearing the sounds, feeling your body against the chair, feeling your clothing against your body, feeling your breath, and then you, you're in. And each time, and the mind will go, the mind will say, oh, but yeah, this will be great when I can get this website up and running and then I'll, I'll get lots of clients and students and people will buy my books. And that's just, that's just thinking, that's just the story. So we let that go, let the story go, come back, feel the body in the chair, clothing on the body, typing the keys, you're back in the play. And you'll notice that if you do, you can do this as an experiment, see what happens. Each time your mind goes off into that goal, you're at work. Each time you're in the present moment, you're at play. And you'll notice there's a qualitative difference in your experience of that. Generally, when, I, when I'm doing that kind of practice, what I've noticed is when I'm in the goal, my mind is very closed, very hard, very contracted. And when I'm in the present moment, just working, I'm very fluid, very relaxed, I'm enjoying. And so we come back to that boundless joy, the mudita, the joy of the present moment experience. So joy as play, play as joy. And so I was kind of, you know, when I came up with the title of this talk, I was kind of playing with that, no pun intended. Joy of play, the play of joy. Because joy hides from us, right? Like hide and seek. There's actually joy available for most people all of the time but it's so there that we miss it, right? As I was pointing to the joy of the human body. So joy is actually playing hide and seek, like peekaboo with us, like a little child. 
And so you might, when you find that joy in your body, or when you go to your favorite cup of coffee, and you take a moment just to appreciate the smell of that coffee. Or when you pick up your cat, and you don't just pick her up to move her, but you actually hear her purr and feel the connectedness. When you meet your friend, and you feel what it feels like to be in company with another. These are all moments that we can relish, that we can fall into that boundless joy with. And so it really just takes that pause. I see you, Joy. You're there. Ah, what does that feel like? And so one of the ways that joy hides from us is our resistances. And I mentioned this in a, in a previous talk. And that resistance most often comes up in the form of some, for, some type of inner critic. I don't deserve this. I should be doing this better. I should have done that better. Whatever that inner critic sounds like to you could be jealousy, envy. You could be very harsh towards others, but that's really because you, you'd like to be harsh towards yourself, but that's too painful. So you project it out on someone else. The judging mind, the comparing mind. These are all ways that joy hide. It hides, it plays peekaboo with us behind our reactive patterns. And so if you join me on this uh, retreat into mudita, this retreat into joy, uh, that's the task of that eight-week program, is to find our inner critic and take it apart so that joy can't hide in there any longer. And so I'm coming to the, to the end of the, the talk today. I wanted to thank you all for joining me. I, I enjoy these talks so much. Maybe you've noticed. <laughs> it's really fun for me. So I have one more. Speaking of that, it'll be a week from today at this time, wherever you are joining me. It'll be exactly the same time. I finally managed to get Instagram working. So if you're tuning in on Instagram, hi. And thank you for joining me there. Uh, I'll be back there as well next week. And all of these are recorded as well. So if you wish to play it back, you can find it on YouTube or here on Instagram or on Facebook. I hope you'll join me for the retreat. Uh, if you have any questions about that, please feel free to message me. Uh, again, that kicks off on June 27th or 28th, depending on where you are in the world. So I hope you enjoyed this. And if you did, feel into that. Feel into that moment of joy. What does that feel like? Allow that to become sort of a practice for you. Anytime you feel joy, stop, pause, take a breath, take two breaths, even better. Three breaths, that's the best. At least three breaths or more, and the neurons start to fire and wire together inclining us towards enjoyment. What could be better? <laughs> it 
Don't we? Isn't that really what we're looking for? What? Well, joy. And so here is a very simple, practical approach that we can start inclining our nervous system, inclining our mind towards the experience of boundless joy. And once we cultivate that for ourselves, it becomes much, much easier to extend that to others. We start to radiate it out to the world. People want to be around somebody who's joyful. It's contagious. And so we cultivate it for ourselves and our heart and our nervous system. And then we know how good it feels. So then it's easy to, to give somebody a compliment or to offer someone a moment or two of our time, of our support, or a laugh. So that others can experience that boundless joy as well. So I think that's all I want to say. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'll see you in a week. I'll ring the bell to close out the session.